This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, I am excited uh, to share this message with you this morning. This uh, two-part series has just been kind of burning in my spirit, and um, I want to thank you so much for I think I've probably had in this last week, over the last 18 and a half years, the most amount of feedback I've ever had um, over a message and what God is doing in people's hearts and in people's lives. So if you texted me, emailed me, sent me a song, sent me a prophetic word, spoke to me, hugged me, whatever you've done, uh, thank you for that. And I'm so glad that you're getting uh, a lot from God's word. And I'm hoping that today, again, you will get... Um, an extenuation of that word for you here uh, today. And last week, obviously, we talked about that concept that you are more than what you think. And we went through five before and afters of are you living in a before salvation state or an after salvation state, a before the cross or after the cross. And we talked about our concept of our identity as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we have a heavenly Father that loves us so much, and he loves to just solidify and establish that you and I are his children, and we live in his kingdom. And this week, we want to talk about the concept of our position. So our position in Christ, and what does that provide for us? And um, I mentioned last week that if you have just identity, if you just know that you're a son and a daughter, but you don't know your position in the kingdom of God, then you will have no authority. And if you have your position known to you, it's a revelation to you, you know your authority in Christ and you know your authority in the kingdom of God, but you do not know your identity, then you will have no authority. But if you have the, author- the identity and the position of your authority firmly established in your life, then you will have the full measure of God and you'll have full authority. Because who here knows that if you have um, identity without authority, then it impacts nothing. And if you have authority without identity and without love, then you can misuse power and you can hurt people. So who here knows that it's amazing that God knows what he's doing? <laughs> I love that he, he balances out absolutely everything. He balances out his, his wisdom and his power, the sense that we're sons and daughters and that we have authority in the kingdom. He loves to make sure that it's balanced out so that there is a weight that comes upon his people that we are impactful and influencers in such a way that we, we bind up and we heal and re- restore instead of tearing down and hurting. There were three things, too, that I talked about last week that we foundationally need to know about the family and the kingdom of God, and those three things were when we come into the family, we need to know and establish and share the message of reconciliation with Jesus Christ. Number two, we need to know our identity and our place as children of God And number three, we need to know our position of authority as an heir and a co-heir of Jesus Christ. Before I get into that concept of position this morning, I just want to share with you a brief uh, little story about about a month ago. Um, And for those of you that are here and don't know, I have four children. I have three stepdaughters and a biological daughter who's 20. Um, At this stage in our life, all of our daughters are in 
many places in the world. We have one in Australia, one in England, one in Glasgow, Scotland, and one in Ottawa. So we do a lot of FaceTiming or Skyping. I will not hopefully get concussed by Skyping. Only our senior pastor can do that, and he knows I love him. <laughs> I hugged him this morning and said, welcome back, I love you. Um, Tick one for the team. Yeah, go team. Um, so anyway, we do a lot of FaceTiming, and our one particular daughter, Robin, who lives in England, uh, she is uh, just a happy-go-lucky girl, and she has just this amazing way of giving you the, the worst information, but with a, that, with a ha-ha-ha and happy-happy smile on her face, and oh, isn't that just the, the worst thing but the best thing ever, you know, kind of thing, and she always has this respectful way of sharing negative things. And so she was talking with her father on FaceTime, and um, in the midst of their talking, and he's talking to her, and she's trying to hear what, what he is saying to her, all she could see was his lips moving. So just like the Charlie Brown um, teachers, it was literally wah, 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 wah. So she's trying to hear her dad, and then she suddenly realizes, and then says to her father in a very polite way, Dad, do you think maybe your thumb is covering up something important? <laughs> So his thumb was covering up the speaker <laughs> so that he could, she couldn't hear him. All she could see was his lips going like this and a womp, womp, womp. And I feel like this morning God wanted me to just share that, that brief little story to ask you this question. What is, is your thumb covering up something important this morning? Is your, are there things in your lives, are there hindrances in your lives or in the way that you're thinking that's covering up the speaker so that you can't hear your father's voice and all you can hear are his lips going wah, 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 wah. I believe this morning that God would want to re remove those things from you because he's, he's saying we're more than what we think. So sometimes there are things in our mind and in our mental state that hinder us from hearing what God wants to say to us. And sometimes as Christians, when we come into church and we've been here for a while, we tend to put our thumb over something important. We say, we just want to come, we just want to hear the word in order to agree with it, but not necessarily to apply it. Want, 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 want. This morning, though, I believe that God wants to reestablish a thinking process within his people that we would know who we are in the position that we are in so that we can carry the kingdom and advance the kingdom forward. So let's dig into our position. Our position consists of our kingdom authority, which is because we are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And the position also consists of our kingdom territory or dominion that Jesus Christ has given us over sin and darkness that affect our lives and, and affect our minds here on earth. Amen? Amen? So a question we want to ask ourselves, do we know why Satan tries to get us to sin? To some degree, we know that answer. We know that, that the enemy wants us to um, come outside of our relationship with, with the Father and be outside of his will. Um, but the enemy wants us to sin because he has always wanted to be in the image of God and have what we have. So he, com he comes and he wants to take from us the very things that he has desired all along and caused you and caused me to be in the same state that he is in right now. 
He knows that if he can kill our relationship with the Father and bring death and separation, and we talked last week about the concept that death in the Hebrew means to the separation between two things, that he can then steal our authority and destroy our identity and then take our territory. He then takes dominion over us, and when he then takes dominion over us, then it's his kingdom that is advancing through us instead of the kingdom of God. You know, when you look at the story of the prodigal son, we often see that as, you know, the, the, the story of the love of the father, and it absolutely is. But it's also a story of how the enemy steals our inheritance and our family and our identity and our territory. You know, the prodigal son, he, he took his inheritance before its time and he went away to a foreign land and he wasted it on prostitutes and wild living and uh, so much so that he ended up in the, in the pig pen with pigs um, wanting to eat their food. Who here knows that that's the enemy stealing from the prodigal son? And what did he steal? He stole his identity as a son in the family. He stole his inheritance. He stole everything that would have been his had he stayed. He stole his territory. The interesting thing about that story is that, and it's again, it's talking about a mindset. It says that when the prodigal son came to himself, so when he began to have it come into his mind once again, you know what, this is not where I belong. This is not where I should be. This is what the enemy has done. He has stolen these things from me. He remembered that he was, should have been a son in this amazing family with, this, with a very loving father and a loving sibling and territory and provision and, and a household and things to steward. He knew that that's who he was and he came to himself, he came to his right mind. And he returned home, and he received again his identity. He received his relationship back with his father. He received back his inheritance. He received back his territory. And I think this morning, when we are contemplating our position, maybe you've been like the prodigal son, but this morning, just as the song said, set a fire, ignite a fire in my heart enough for that breakthrough of God to come through. I pray that there would be a breakthrough of God over your heart and your mind this morning, that you would come to yourself, that you would come to your right mind, that you would know that where you are right now is not where you should be. That God is calling you back to know your identity. Come back into the family. Come back and experience the Father's love. Come back and receive your inheritance. Come back and take back over the territory that the enemy has stolen from you. Because as we know, the enemy loves to come and to kill and to steal and to destroy. Let's take a look at our position in, in the Word of God. It says, Romans 8, 14 to 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, which is the enemy's kingdom, but you received the spirit of adoption, which is God's kingdom, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, 
that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. I think it's amazing that we are adopted, that we are an heir to God and an heir with Christ. It's so easy to just skip past that word heir. You know, we, we do want to focus on the fact that we're sons and daughters and we want to know we're loved and adopted so much so that sometimes we skip over the concept that we're an heir of God. Do you know who your daddy is this morning? He's the daddy of the universe. He's your creator. He's the, he's the creator of the heavens, of all of the universe, and he's your dad, and you're an heir to that. It also says that we're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, um, actually in the New Testament as well, uh, so in the Bible, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> um, it says that the firstborn always received a double portion in their inheritance. So if we are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, then we too receive the same inheritance as the firstborn. We find it very difficult sometimes. Maybe somebody has prayed over you and they said, I believe God is saying that you're going to receive a double portion. And, and maybe for you, depending on where your, your mindset's at, you're like, well, you know what? I'm not even sure if I'm okay for the first portion, let alone a double portion. And so you kind of give it back to them. Um, God would say to you today, no, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And he is the firstborn. And he gets a double portion. And if you are in him and he is in you, and his inheritance is yours, then you too get a double portion. You know, our relationship with the Heavenly Father not only gives us our identity, but it also gives us indescribable authority. All authority was given to Jesus by God. Matthew 28 and 18 says this, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 says this, I ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What is he saying there when he says enlightened? He wants them to know. He wants them to have not just a truth, not just a teaching. He wants them to have a revelation of what he's about to say. And he says, so that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And we know from last week that we are saints. And the surpassing greatness of his power to us who believe. He displayed this power in the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God put everything under his feet and made him head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He says he's passed that 
to Jesus, and Jesus then has passed that along to us. In Ephesians 2 and 6, it says, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We have all power and all authority over every power and dominion, every demonic force, absolutely everything of the kingdom of the enemy. We have power over that. Isn't that phenomenal? But do we understand it and do we grasp it? I don't think we do because sometimes we have messed up and we've just had our identity with no position or our position with no identity. So we have not been able to see the full extent of the full measure of the authority and the kingdom of God upon our lives because we don't have the full equation. We need both. We need to know the love of God in such a way that we are so secure and stable in the kingdom of God and in the family and within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we would know that nothing can separate us and take us out of that. But then we also need to know that we have full authority because we sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus Christ. And because we sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus Christ and the Father has given him all authority and he has then passed it along to us, that we then too walk in that authority here on earth. Amen? I've been to a lot of services over my almost 21 years of Christianity and I've been to prayer meetings and things in people's homes and had multiple conversations and you know one of the things I I have seen over the years is some very um, unusual spiritual warfare (laughs) you know a lot of hollering and screaming at the devil that really isn't doing anything at all and unfortunately the devil doesn't go out he just laughs at them and increases his presence in their lives doesn't mean that we won't holler and scream at the devil. I'm just saying if we don't have the two equations of identity and position, then sometimes it doesn't do anything. But if you know who you are, if you know that you're a son and a daughter, and if you know your position, that you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, spiritual warfare only takes the whisper of Jesus' name. Jesus. I could break out into the tongues right now, I think. Why? Because the weight rests upon Jesus Christ with identity as a son, and he's given it to us, and the weight rests of authority of the Father upon him, and it, because he's given it to us, it rests upon us. But we have to know both. We need the full equation. Not only are we children and joint heirs, but the Bible says that we are also citizens in heaven. Philippians 3 and 20 says this, for our citizenship is in heaven. Profound. (laughs) Very simple verse, but it means a lot. It means that we don't live here It means that we're foreigners, that we're immigrants, that yes, we're living on this earth, but we're from another country. We're from another kingdom. We don't often understand the concept of another kingdom because we we live in a democratic society. 
but we're from another kingdom and we've entered into this kingdom and we represent something else. We're a citizen in another place and, and because we're foreigners and we're immigrants, because we have a different culture and value and mindset, we're not meant to fit in here. But how many times do we try to fit in instead of standing out? We try to assimilate with the things of this world, earthly things, instead of with heavenly things. But God says your position is that you are a citizen of heaven. You carry a kingdom. You're not supposed to fit in here. Romans 12 and 2 says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh my goodness, sometimes we need to start thinking. We, 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 sometimes we reason and we think we're thinking, but we're thinking with earthly thoughts instead of heavenly thoughts from where we're from. And it goes on to say that instead, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Last week we talked about who are the mature. It's those that know God, who know his love, and who know that they are a son and a daughter in the kingdom. You know, Satan, with his kingdom and his citizens, he loves to enslave them. He loves to drag them down. But God loves to lift us up. He loves to build us and prosper us and restore us. Because even though we live here in the kingdom of the enemy, we live in the kingdom of God and we're citizens of heaven. So we are to take on that kingdom and carry it here wherever we go. Amen? Amen. As citizens of another kingdom, we're also meant to represent that kingdom of God as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20 says this, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we know that in the natural, when an ambassador goes from one country to another, that he is sent by, he or she is sent by the government. And that government gives them uh, a specific message to give, and they are to give that message with the same culture, the same values, and the same mindset of the country of which they come from. They are to then go and represent their country, their government, to another country and their government. And I think it was interesting, I had a conversation just after my morning message this morning, and an individual was saying that it's also really neat that when an ambassador goes to another country, when they're driving in their car, the car has the flags of their home country. So literally, when their car is driving down the streets of another country, they're literally within the, the kingdom or the country of where they came from. So wherever they go, they carry the message and they carry the kingdom with them. They carry their country with them. I thought that was really neat. You know, in the Bible, um, the concept of apostles also means to be a sent one. 
It means to be one that is sent with, with the message of the one who has sent them. And then when they go and they give that message, they to, are to enact and bring about that message in the place where they are until that place looks like the place where they came from. That's what God calls us to. He calls us as ambassadors and reconciliation of the message of Jesus Christ. We're called to go no matter where we go, carrying the, the message with the authority and the identity of who God says we are to those that are in another place in the kingdom of the enemy until they start to look like where we came from. So we can't fit in here. We need to stand out from here. We're separated. We're, we're set apart as a special people for a special purpose to give a special message. Um, I had, um, some of you may have heard this story before, but a few years back, actually it would be about three years back, I think, at this point, I had a family member who was estranged from his children. And because I had a, a relationship with him and I had a relationship with his children, um, after about 18 years of praying for that relationship to be restored, I finally got an email from the father saying, hey, could you possibly help mediate and, and get me back in connection with my kids? And so obviously I'd been praying about it and said, absolutely, I'll do my best. But then I went to God and I was praying and asking God, just saying, you know, God, how do I do that? There's been so much hurt and so much distance and separation. How do I... How do I let them know that it's okay to talk with their father? And I felt like he was saying, Rachel, I'll just go and sit down with the father. Hear his mind and hear his heart for his children, and then go and represent that heart and mind to them. So that's exactly what I did. And, and as of today, that relationship is restored, and he's back in relationship with his children. That's the, that's the very thing that we do as citizens of heaven and as an ambassador is that we represent the Father's heart and mind to his children. Amen? The next thing we want to take a look at in terms of our position is our territory. God not only asks us to represent the kingdom, but to advance the kingdom. Matthew 11 and 12 says, From the days of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. <laughs> Anybody quoted that scripture before? <laughs> Not many of us have. Many of us read that and go, well, you know what, I don't get it. <laughs> God says, love, 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 love. <laughs> Not violence, violence, violence. Not force. Um, and so they don't get it. But basically what that scripture is saying is that in the time of John the Baptist, after 400 years of silence, they, the people that were in Israel were, were so desperate to, to hear the voice of God speaking again that when John the Baptist came and he began to proclaim that the kingdom of God was coming, that Jesus Christ was coming, the Messiah, they literally pushed and pursued and they, they literally wanted, it was like they were taking the kingdom of God by force. This morning, we sit here with that kingdom of God inside of us, so we don't have to take it by force in that sense. He wants us to, to pursue the kingdom of God, to love it, to want it, to embrace it, to, to do everything we can to receive it, but then he wants us to take that kingdom, and he wants us to advance in the kingdom of the enemy. He wants us to literally push back and occupy territory for the kingdom of God. 
And if you think about, you know, when, when Jesus took the disciples over the lake at the Lake of Gennesaret, and he went into a land where there was a, a demoniac, and they had put him in the land of the tombs, basically, the land of the dead, because he was so filled with demons that they couldn't control him, that he, was even, he wouldn't even uh, dress himself. He was naked and, and all of these kinds of things, and he was so caught up under the enemy's territory. I believe wholeheartedly that when Jesus went there, the story is about territory. Because he went and he cast out the demons out of the demoniac, and he was again in his right mind. And the, the demons that were cast out of him asked Jesus, please don't cast us out of the re region. Let us stay in this territory. So I believe that story is about God wanting us to advance the kingdom, cast out demons, and advance his territory and take back what the enemy wants to hold on to. So a question we asked this morning then is, so how do we advance the kingdom? So obviously we don't do it by force. <laughs> we do it by a whole lot of love. <laughs> um, we do it by challenging our culture's thinking and by changing hearts. You know, the kingdom of God advances not in the political arena or by changing laws, although that can be an effect of it or a fruit of it. The kingdom of God advances first by challenging hearts and minds. And who here knows that challenging hearts and minds can be a very dangerous thing. You wouldn't think so, but it does cause fights in families. <laughs> if you have one person in your family come to Christ and they start changing, there's a whole lot of argument that can go on. You know, we say that Christ came to bring peace. Well, sometimes he, he comes to bring a sword. And that sword separates the kingdom of the enemy from the kingdom of God. But we look at the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul was beaten, he was stoned, and he was eventually killed for challenging mindsets. He challenged the mindsets of the religious uh, culture that was around him at the time. And if we look at Martin Luther King in our time, you know, he, he was killed, he was shot for challenging the mindsets of racism in our culture. And you look at Jesus Christ, and obviously we know he was, he was beaten and crucified and left for dead because he challenged the people around him, that he was the Messiah, that a new kingdom was coming, and that they needed to repent and receive salvation. The religious leaders didn't like the fact that he said, You're, you need to repent. Why? Because they thought they were the holiest of holies, that they would be the ones that, the, that they would see the Messiah, and they would be the ones proclaiming it, not this individual who, um, to them, was nothing. So they crucified him. Who here knows that challenging mindsets in our culture and in our day is becoming increasingly difficult? When we're being called hypocrites and bigots, and if you go against absolutely anything uh, that is um, very touchy in the news these days, then the enemy likes to try to put a different mindset on you and tell you that you're intolerant. It's really hard to go up against mindsets. But that's how Jesus Christ says that we carry the kingdom, that we proclaim the kingdom. We don't force the kingdom. We love the kingdom into people's minds and hearts, and we challenge their hearts and their minds. A quote by Napoleon Bonaparte, and, and you will know that he was famous for conquering lands and taking over kingdoms, and he says this about Jesus. 
He says, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every, other, every person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. You know, we're called again to advance the kingdom by the power of God's love. So if we know our identity, we know God's love. If we know our position, then we have our authority and our power, and that will advance the kingdom. So that when you speak the word and you speak the truth and you come up against mindsets that are of the enemy and not of God, you don't have to force. You merely stand in your position, know who you are, and speak the truth. It'll be the truth that goes forth and challenges people's mindsets, challenges them to take their thumb off of something important so that they can hear something that they need to hear. Again, the Bible says that, um, Jesus said that they will, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. They will know that you're from another kingdom by your love for one another. A question that I have this morning is, if we are going to advance the kingdom, then we need to ask ourselves, what is our mindset? So we need to take it from out there and they and them and those to, what is my mindset? What is our mindset this morning? Luke 12 and 32 says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Are we living in our before Christ or after Christ mindset? You know, uh, to be set means to, to have something that bounces back to its original. And um, if I were to take and pull Marlena's curls this morning and then let go, it's going to bounce back to where it is set, right? So we need to ask ourselves the question of where is our mind set this morning? What is the original position in which it's bouncing back to? Is it bouncing back to those things of the earth? Or is it bouncing back to things of heaven? What on earth here is your mind set on that you need to allow God to challenge this morning? Colossians 3 and 2 says this, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I think it's really cute. Um, I love this author and speaker. Her name is Lisa Bevere. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but um, she shares this story in some of her messages where she was pursuing God, and she was seeking God, and she was just asking him, God, you know, make me hungry for you. I just want to be so hungry for you that I would call out to you and ask for your presence. And she felt that she heard God say back to her, Lisa, it is not my responsibility to make you hungry for me. If you are not hungry for me, it's because you have filled your life with other things. Ouch. I'm not sure I like that this morning. <laughs> we need to ask ourselves, not only is where is our mind set, but what are we filling our lives with? Is it FaceTime? Not FaceTime, sorry, Facebook? Is it movies? 
that we shouldn't be watching, television, negative conversations? What are we filling our lives with that cause us to not be hungry for God? Another wonderful quote, and I can't remember who it was that said, I just remember it was a man, said, it is impossible to inhale new air until you exhale the old. What do you need to exhale this morning? You know, when, we, when we're exhaling, when we're breathing, we're exhaling carbon dioxide. If it stays inside of us, it's poisonous, and it will cause, it'll actually cause you to die. What do you need to exhale this morning of the kingdom of the enemy so that you can inhale the kingdom of God? Exhale the things of this earth and inhale the things of heaven. What kingdom this morning is advancing in your life? Remember, there are only two kingdoms. It's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the enemy. When it comes to our thinking process, the statistics say that 98% of our thinking process is negative. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> Case in point. Two <laughs> percent, that's me, is <laughs> <It's> positive. <laughs> what do we have our minds thinking this morning? If you, can, if you go home and you were to think about your thought process, it's probably going to be negative, possibly. Hopefully not, but possibly. And if you are, then you will know what kingdom is advancing in your life. And if that's the kingdom that is advancing in your life, then you need to step back, come to yourself, come to your right senses, start to challenge your mindset, challenge your heart, challenge your life, and start to align it with God's kingdom. Amen? Matthew 6 and 10 says this, Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live in the kingdom of God. We're kingdom people. We're set apart for the kingdom. We're citizens in the kingdom of heaven. We're ambassadors. We're messengers. We are to carry the kingdom inside of us, and we want to make sure that we're letting the kingdom come as it is in heaven, not as it is on earth. When we know that our identity and our position, let me just backtrack a little bit. When we understand our identity and our position, then God literally says that he's going to allow his people to take back territory and take back dominion that the enemy has advanced on that we need to be advancing on instead. But do you know what's really amazing? Is that literally what he's saying is that the kingdom of God advances according to the way we think. If our thinking doesn't line up with the kingdom of God, then it's the enemy's kingdom that's advancing and not God's. So he's teaching us in this series, know who you are as a son and as a daughter. Know who you are as an heir of God. 
Know who you are as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that you have an inheritance. Know that you're a citizen of heaven. Know that you're an ambassador, that you don't live here. You have an authority to carry a kingdom message to a people with the full authority of the Father resting upon you. And when we know that, then he says this in Joshua 1, 3 to 5. I will give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Can I say to you this morning, no matter how much the enemy has advanced into your territory, no matter how much he has advanced into your life, into your mind, into your family, into your circumstances, your finances, your health, no matter what territory he has stolen from you or killed or destroyed for you, nothing can withstand the authority upon your life when you know that you are a son and a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is a weight. I believe wholeheartedly that there is a weight of the presence of God that is starting to settle over his people. And I use that word settling because it's like it's sifting out. The shaking that you've been going through, the presence of God has been sifting out the enemy, challenging your mind, challenging your heart, so that all that is left is the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God cannot and will not be shaken. If you know your identity and position in the kingdom of God, then you will not be shaken either. But guess what kingdom will be shaken? The enemies. Amen? God wants you to advance the kingdom and take back territory that the enemy has stolen from you individually and from the church. I believe this morning that God himself would say, church, you become less than what you are. Come on, run. Luke 9 and 2 says this, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You know, the kingdom of God is here now, but it's not yet. It is coming. And the kingdom of God is not coming down, but it's coming out. As he challenges our minds in this day and in this age, he calls us to spread the message of the kingdom and challenge the hearts and the mindsets of the culture and the society in which we live. You're meant to stand out, not fit in this morning. I'm going to ask everybody if you will stand. I'm going to call the worship team back this morning. 
You know, in the book of Isaiah, it says that the government of God rests on Christ's shoulders, and to his kingdom there is no end. And Jesus also said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you believe that this morning, church? Do you believe that you're the church? Do you believe that you are called to be in the kingdom of God? That you have a heavenly father who loves you? That you are a son? That you are a daughter? That you are a citizen of heaven? That you are an ambassador? That you have a message inside of you that he wants you to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick, bind up the brokenhearted, restore those things that are lost. I speak over you this morning. I believe wholeheartedly that there is a mandate of heaven coming over this place that he is saying to you, if you will come to me and if you will let me love on you and reveal to you who you are, then I will send you out of this place to proclaim the kingdom in full identity, in full position, in full authority with my kingdom resting upon you because you are resting in my son. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.